0: Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events.
1: Well, I pray because, I mean, God is the creator of everything. And just the thought that we get to talk to him is amazing. So we should get and take that opportunity that we can talk to him and use it wherever we are. If, whether it's when we're doing our devotion or at school, if there's a big test or at home when I get home, I should thank him for a great school day and all and an even better night with my family. I almost feel like I'm talking to somebody who gets me. They they understand me and they know all about me and they know my thoughts and everything that happens and so they know me better than a parent would ever do because they know what I'm thinking, whether I'm eating, sleeping, he knows what I'm doing. So I feel like talking to him, he completely understands where I'm at because he sees everything. When you speak, God listens and God hears it.
0: But hey, will you join me in thanking Camden Foster for sharing his heart for the Lord? Man, man, I had the chance to see that already once before, because otherwise I was just going to be crying up here, and uh, so good. Y'all, we're in a series of sermons as a church that we're calling Pray 20, and really this series is intended to be an invitation to you. There is a really wonderful uh, awakening happening in our church to the power of prayer. to this You gotta understand, prayer is God's invitation to us to come close to him and to know him. We've set our goal in 2020 is to pray for 20 minutes every day, but y'all, that's really less of a goal and more of an invitation. Because what you're seeing in these stories like Camden's is how enjoyable and how rewarding it is to draw close to the Father in prayer. It's drawing close to a God who like like Camden said, knows you, he gets you, right? Knows you better than any parent ever could. So in this series, we wanna take a step all together here in 2020 towards being a church that becomes desperate for God himself, a church that wants the power and the presence of God that scripture promises we can have. Y'all, we wanna be a church where anyone and everyone can have hope here. Because this people called Mercy Church, this people meets with God. And we said, we want all of God. We say part of the whole idea here is that we don't want to settle for dinner and bedtime prayers because we don't want to just settle for a dinner and bedtime God, right? We don't want to settle for just in case of emergency prayers because we don't want to just settle for an in case of emergency God. We want all of God that he has to offer for us. And that means, y'all, prayer becomes this bridge into knowing God. And we can have all of them, his presence and his power with us. So, Here's what I want to do today. To help prepare us for the message that we have today, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask everybody, both of our campuses, to go ahead and stand up to your feet now. If you would, both campuses, go ahead, stand up. Uh, This is a practice that has been done in the church for centuries as a way to show honor to God's holy word. And as I read the passage for today that we're going to focus our attention on, I want your physical posture of standing up, standing to attention of sorts, to draw your heart and mind to focus on the word that you're hearing. I'm going to read it. You don't have to read it with me. I want you to receive it. All right, it's going to be Matthew chapter six. We're going to start In verse 5 and go through verse 13, I'll have the words on the screen as well. But you listen in and focus your mind and heart. Jesus says to his disciples, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let me pray for us. God, in light of your holy word, I ask that you would warm our hearts and our minds to receive your word, your instruction to us, your invitation to us to draw near to you. Stir our affections for you this morning. I beg you, Father. May we receive all that you have for us. Thank you. Thank you for, for granting us access to the throne of grace. We come to you now asking, Father, draw us close to you. We pray it in Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Um, I have told you guys several times um, over the course of the winter about how I'm coaching a, a kid's basketball team, my son's basketball team. We just finished up, so this will be the last uh, last little illustration from that for a while. Don't worry, baseball season's coming, though. But, um, y'all, the thing about coaching 10- and 11-year-olds is that you can't assume, I love basketball, you can't assume any basketball knowledge when it comes to 10 and 11-year-olds, especially you can't really assume anything on 10 and 11-year-old boys. you got to tell them exactly what you want them to do, or they'll just go in a bunch of different directions. Like if I tell the boys, all right, listen, I want you to pop up to the elbow, and then he's going to roll down to the opposite block, and you're going to hit him on the baseline. All that's going to happen is them kind of looking at their elbow. Like you said somebody elbow, coach? My elbow? What are you talking about, coach? right? You can't assume anything. But what then becomes so much fun at this age is basketball becomes this game of, of discovery, right? Light bulbs start going off over and over because you tell them what to do and they try it one time and it works. It works. They're like, oh, let's, let's do that again. Like um, the most simplest thing in basketball are layups, all right? And here's what was happening. These guys who were little warriors were running at full speed at the basket, okay? Sprinting with everything they had and then hurling the ball at the rim as they flew by into the wall behind them, right? Into the wall behind the basket. And I was like, okay, guys, all right, let's, let's bring it in together. Okay, do you guys want to score points? Like, yes, coach, we want to score points. I said, are you scoring points? No, coach, we're not scoring any points, right? The ball is just careening everywhere, right? It's like, okay, well, if you want to score points, then there's some things we got to stop doing, and some things we got to start doing, okay? So we got to stop running full speed like a wild pack of hyenas hurling the ball off the rim, okay? What we got to start doing is we just got to start running under control, and then we got to aim. There is this thing on every backboard we play on. It's a white square, all right? And if you, I know you haven't had geometry yet, but if you will slow down and lay the ball up, that's where it gets the name from, onto the top right corner of that right square when you're coming on the right side. It will bounce into the goal every time. Like, what? That's crazy. It's like, now watch coach. So coach goes down. I slow down and do a layup. It goes in, right? And so it goes in. I'm like, now you guys just follow along. And one after the other, they go running and they slow down. They come to, so this is one little kid, Charlie. He would run, 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 and just stop and do, do that little layup thing. And he made like, Eight points in a row in the next game, right? And they all started doing this, and we start scoring points. They're like, Coach, this is amazing. I can't believe this, right? Let's do it again, do it again. We start scoring more points. Teachable moment. This was so much fun about that age. It was happening, happened with rebounds, with screens, with all sorts of things. And over the year we got better. It was really awesome. And it was especially joyful for me to watch my sons learn the game because I've seen them grow up their whole lives, right? I saw them learn to walk, I saw them learn to run. And, and The little thing, right, of helping them learn a little basketball thing, I'm sure it brought me a lot more joy than it actually brought them. Here's the thing. I feel like like that dad loving to show his child something that will increase his joy in playing basketball is just a tiny, tiny little shadow of what God feels in showing us how to pray. Y'all, the passage we're looking at today, often called the Lord's Prayer, is God taking his disciples aside and saying, okay, do you want to draw close to me? His disciples say yes. He says, okay, well, then there's some things we got to stop doing and some things we got to start doing. And if you'll just follow me here, I'll show you how to go. I'll show you the way. What you're going to discover is the closeness to me that you were really made for. Y'all, the Lord's prayer is an invitation to more. What you're gonna see today is not only does God invite you to experience his presence and encounter his power, he shows you how to get there. This is huge. He doesn't just tell you to do the layup. He shows you how. And as you saw with evidence of Camden and his story, it's so simple, a child can do it. Y'all, the setup to this prayer is so important, and the prayer itself is so rich. We're only going to get halfway through the prayer today. There are two parts to today, all right? If you're one of those that likes to take notes, likes organization, two parts to um, walking through this section of Scripture today. The first is why we pray. What's our motivation? What's our aim? Before we launch into into the actual words, what are we trying to get out of it? This is where we go down and we do the the work down in our hearts. That's going to be big in our our time today. Why we pray, and then the next is how we pray. All right, with our hearts set right, how do we practice prayer? And I'm excited today. Today should feel like a little bit of a training session. If last week was get amped up to pray, this week is, all right, here's the playbook, right? Here's how we do it. So let's start with With why we pray. Before we actually open our mouths and begin talking to God, Jesus talks about what's going on in our hearts. He talks about our motivations. That's actually, y'all, the whole first half of Matthew 6, really first two-thirds of Matthew 6, is all about our motivations. That's what he's doing. It starts in verse 1 of Matthew 6. Look at this. Jesus says, listen, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order just to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Practicing righteousness right there, that means doing the things God has called us to do. Living a life that is obedient to the commands of God. He says, if you do them in front of other people in order to be seen by other people, if that's why you do it, to gain the approval of people, you will miss God himself. Then he talks about, The next thing he talks about is giving away your money. And then he talks about prayer. That's what the Lord's prayer is said in. And then he talks about fasting after that. You know the irony? Jesus placed the Lord's prayer inside a very forceful teaching against hypocrisy, saying, don't say words just to impress people. And in my experience, no words have been said more in history to impress people than this very prayer before sporting events, before congressional sessions, etc. cetera. Listen, if you hear nothing else today, the Lord's prayer is not a chant. It is not a ritual. It is meant to be a bridge to bring you closer to the Father and a shield to keep the enemy far from you. It is not a chant. And he says in verse 5, now talking about prayer, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. Why? What's their motivation? So they can be seen by others. And I say to you, they have received their reward. To do the right thing the wrong way will actually distance you from God, not draw you close. And Jesus is warning here, don't don't dare try to use God to get the approval of people. That's not what prayer is about. Prayer is about encountering the power and the presence of God. It's holy, it's powerful. And the reward in prayer is knowing God, not pleasing people. Y'all, he's stepping into the heart of why we pray. The reward, the thing we should long for is God himself. Knowing him, that's our chief aim. Now, I I wanna really dial into this for a second. Why would they want to be seen by others? They wanna be seen by others so that others will be impressed by them. Right? I mean, that's why they want to be seen by others. If they were nervous about it, they wouldn't want to be seen by others. They want others to be impressed. They want to measure up. And they actually want to be just a little bit ahead of all of their peers around them. They want to impress other people. I'm telling you what, y'all. Nothing will rob you of closeness to God like comparison to others. Comparison is the thief of joy instead of concerning myself with drawing close to God, I start to concern myself with how how I compare to how others draw close to God. You see that? And trust me, pastors are the chief of sinners here. I got together with a group of awesome pastors just very recently. I mean, guys that I really love and respect and the temptation to comparison. I mean, it was thick in that room. One guy asked me, Uh, He just planted a church a year and a half ago, and he asked me, hey, man, how many are you running? I promise you he is not asking me how many miles am I running each morning. There is not evidence that would suggest I run a lot of miles each morning, right? No, what he's doing there is he's asking about attendance numbers. He's asking how many people come through the doors of mercy and then he's comparing mercy church to his church and somehow what happens subconsciously, sin starts to rise up in us, comparison starts to rise up in us and we connect our value to the world with how many people are coming to our church. It's awful. Not only is that a very poor success metric, but comparison robs us of joy. We can't encourage one another in Christ when we're too consumed with measuring up to one another. Jesus is saying, listen, if you use prayer as a means to get something else, you're gonna get the fruit of that. And it's not gonna be good fruit. In fact, let me say it this way. Since this warning is repeated throughout this section about giving money, about prayer, and about fasting, I wanna just summarize it this way. Listen, if your obedience to God is motivated by peer approval, your reward will never be more than peer approval. You gotta pursue God." so that you can get more of God, not anything else. I mean, think about it. <laughs> Where are you comparing yourself to someone else right now? Moms compare themselves to other moms, dads to other dads, parents, are <laughs> I know what's happening. Y'all saw that video of Camden and you're like, I'm a terrible parent. My kid doesn't pray like that. I'm so far behind. Now, Tell me, what happens when you start thinking like that? Do you feel joyful and content? Does that make you feel happy and close to God? No, right? Because comparison is the thief of joy. You can't even celebrate what's happening in someone else's life because you're worried about what that means for you and how far you're behind that person. So when it comes to following God, stop looking around to what others are doing. Go get alone with God. God said, especially when it comes to prayer, you gotta get alone. Verse six, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your father who is there in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So let me ask you this, in the space where no one is watching, what's your prayer life like in there? Are you even in there? Let's have great news, great news. The power and presence of God Are waiting for you there. Y'all, we run from stillness. We run from quiet in our culture. We fill it with Netflix. We fill it with Spotify, something. We run from isolation, from being alone because we want to be busy. We want to be seen uh, with other people because that creates value for us. If we're busy, then we're valuable. So what, what do we do? Even in spaces where we're alone, we'll check social media constantly in hopes of maybe feeling a connection with others. Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen someone recently, you see someone who's alone, like maybe it's on the light rail or maybe it's um, in a waiting room and they're just sitting there, not on their phone, looking around, occasionally making eye contact. You think that person's crazy, right? You're like, what's wrong with them? I'm glad they're seeing the doctor. Why are they looking at me that way, right? You have that feeling, right? No, we don't know how to be still anymore. If you think, no, 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 listen, man, I actually do really crave time alone. But if your time alone is busied with tasks or scrolling or entertainment, that's not time alone. Y'all, we push against silence and solitude because the last place we want to be is alone with our thoughts. But what Jesus seems to say is that when everything is stilled, when you are alone with no one and nothing to distract you, there. That's where God wants to meet with us. What if we saw that still quiet space as the cafe table where you get to sit down and meet with God? This is why I'm telling you to pray 20 minutes a day because listen, if, if this is where we meet with God and get to talk with God and know him, 20 minutes is not like the ceiling to achieve. That's like the floor, right? The God of the universe is sitting at the table. He invites you to sit down and talk with him. To get to know him. I had the chance once um, several years ago to sit down and I got to take a rather well known pastor, um, older pastor, but very well known. I got to take him out to lunch after he preached at the church that I was serving at. It was a huge honor for me and I was soaking up every minute of it. I was asking all kinds of questions. I would just ask a question. I would just sit there and wait, like, tell me the secret to ministry. Wait, you know? And then tell me how your marriage has really been thriving after all these years. Wait, just question, wait, question, wait. Y'all, if I had the chance to meet up with this guy daily, I wouldn't think twice about it. I would never have my phone on in that setting, right? And that's just an older pastor. God, who has all wisdom and love and knowledge, is inviting us to sit down with him. And when we're there with God, we're warned against trying to impress God, which is actually harder than it sounds. Now, look, I know why some of you, this is why some of you don't go and pray. It's actually because you know God is there and you know he knows you and you know he knows what you did. You know that he knows us better than our parents. Some of us think God is like the parent who got a call from the principal, right? And is now at home waiting on you to get home from school, right? You don't wanna be, and you think to yourself, well, I don't wanna be a hypocrite, so I'm not just gonna go in there and act like nothing happens, so you just stay away, You got to hear Jesus's next words, verse seven. When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus wants us, listen, to be without pretense when we come to him in prayer. Instead, y'all, I know we often try to be something that we're not, something more than we really are. We try and put on a front for God, but that's the exact opposite of what Jesus says to do. And and listen, the difficulty of coming to him just as we are, we're messy. We're messy and and prayer reveals that. It makes it worse because when we slow down to pray and we don't try and do all these eloquent phrases, it, it actually reveals how unspiritual we are, how difficult it is to concentrate on God. All right, it's like we don't know how bad we are until we try to be good, that kind of thing. Listen, He's about to help us out, to show us how to pray. But first, he's reminding us of the nature of our relationship to God. It's a child. It's just a child talking to his or her father. And I think there's something very freeing and something very activating in God being our father. It means we're his children. And little children never get frozen by their selfishness, do they? Ever, right? They come just as they are totally self-absorbed, seldom getting it right, and their parents still love them. You can have a kid break five house rules in five minutes and run up to mom or dad and go, can I have a snack, right? Just without concern of what they've done or anything else. Y'all, Jesus does not say, listen, he doesn't say, come to me, all who have learned how to concentrate in prayer, whose minds no longer wander, and I will give you rest. No, He doesn't say that. He opens up his arms to needy children. And he says, come to me, all who are weary and who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. Come overwhelmed with your life. Come with your wandering mind. Come messy. Can you take a second and just receive it? Receive that. It's okay that you are a hot mess right now. You might've pulled yourself together today to be here, or maybe not. Maybe you're listening to this on the podcast because you just can't pull yourself together. Can you just receive God's invitation as a father to come to him overwhelmed with life? When you come without pretense like this, that means you're just coming to God for God, not for something else, but just for God himself. And that's the point. That's the point of prayer. Y'all, really, that's the whole point of Christianity. The point of Christianity isn't to learn a lot of truths so that you don't need God anymore. The point is to draw us closer to God. This God who is holy, who is the creator, who is merciful and abounding in steadfast love, who is great and magnificent, who's sovereign, who's the king, who holds the whole worlds in his hands. This God is inviting you to sit down to the table with him, to know him. God is our reward in prayer. His presence, Acts 2 tells us, it's his presence that will bring refreshing to our souls. You gotta come to God just for God. And with that heart, then Jesus says, okay, here's how to pray. Let's learn to shoot a layup. We're gonna walk through just the first three requests in the Lord's Prayer. I want to pause on each one to see what it is that we're praying when we pray this. It's so rich. Everything you need to meet with God is in this prayer. So let's see. Verse 9, pray then like this, our Father in heaven. Starts with Father. To pray this is to step into a relationship. Catch this. It's to step into a relationship that Jesus has made for us. Think about the names of, that he could have said for us to address God with. Right, he could have said king, because he is the king. He could have said creator. He could rightly tell us to approach him as judge. But instead, Jesus makes a way for us to call him father. He models This prayer for us. Y'all, this one word prayer, Father, this is uniquely Jesus' prayer. I read this in my time in the word this morning in Luke 2, the very first words recorded of Jesus, right? Did you not know that I'm in my father's house, that that's where I was? Abba is the first word. When Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, when the prodigal comes back home, he says, Abba, Father, it's the first word in the Lord's prayer. It's the first word words when Jesus prays when he goes alone in the garden of Gethsemane. It's one of the first words that he prays up on the cross. Father, forgive them. It's one of the last things that he says on the cross. Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And God says that in Christ, we're not only forgiven of our sin, we are adopted as children of God. We get to call him father. The privilege of, listen, the privilege of being a child of God belongs exclusively to Christians. If you have not yet received Christ's forgiveness for your sins, you are created by God, yes, but you are not yet a child. That's John 1:12. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, Jesus' name, to them he gave the right to become children of God. So what I want to tell you here is if you've never received him, receive him as your Savior. If you want closeness to God, It comes through Jesus. That's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? Do not, no one comes to the Father except through him. So don't delay. In a minute, I'm going to give you a chance to say, yes. Yes, I want to believe. I want to know God. I want God in my life. And I recognize the only way to him is through Christ. I'm going to walk you through that, show you how to shoot the layup. And you need to receive him. Christian, I want you to think about who you're talking to when you pray. I recognize the the label father comes with a lot of emotional weight. Some of us had good dads. Some of us had bad dads. And the way God presents the role of an earthly father in scripture, his role is to help prepare you for communion with your heavenly father. Some of our dads did a good job and some a bad job. If your earthly father did a bad job with that, that doesn't invalidate your heavenly father. So now you gotta come to him with that messy open heart and say, father in heaven. And it's gonna be teach me how to relate to you as a child that trusts. And the next thing he says, our father in heaven, hallowed. Hallowed be your name. What are we praying for with that word? Hallowed is not a word we use anymore. But hallowed is this combination. That was important for you to see it. It's this combination of holy and sacred and revered, all kind of put into one thing. And you might say to that, wait a minute, hallowed be your name. In God's name already hallowed? Well, the old German monk, Martin Luther, said this has two meanings. First, this is the prayer of each Christian who claims to be wearing and to be covered by the name of Christ. As name bearers, we represent a good and holy God. So we're praying, God, when we pray, hallowed be your name, we're praying, God, keep us from dishonoring your name. Empower us to walk in a manner consistent with your character so that your name will be given the honor that it is due. It's asking God to guide us even in our thoughts and in our actions in the world. Luther said the second meaning is very much an evangelistic one. That as God is glorified among us, would you be glorified among the nations, God? It is a prayer for more people to call on the name of God and be saved. Y'all, what if we thought about the work of taking the gospel around the world as advancing the holy name of God into the hearts and minds of those who don't know him? God, hallowed be your name. That's a call to take the gospel to the nations. It's a call to help me live out what I profess. It's a call to save the world. In verse 10, continuing that stream, your kingdom come. To ask God for his kingdom to come is to ask for his royal authority and royal power to rule over every aspect of our lives. It is to profess and to desire to be fully a servant of God. God, my actions, my thoughts, you rule over all of it. And in this prayer, I'm praying for that day when your kingdom does come in full because my hope is not in this day. God, I'm gonna pray in a second about how I need you for this day, but my hope is not in this day. My hope is in that day. God, I want you to prepare me in this day for that day. Make me more like you in this day that I might help others to see the hope of that day. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a reason this follows after calling God Father. You're, I mean, I want you to, of course, y'all, the danger of this prayer is how familiar it is. Let me just pause and say that. It's how familiar it is. I want you to, that reason I'm going so slow is so that you can consider the implications of what it is that Christ is calling us to pray. There's a reason your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, your will, there's a reason it comes after Father. Because unless we are settled, deeply settled, that God is our Father, we will never trust him enough to say your will be done. How can you trust him? Listen, first, I think you take comfort that this is the one part of the Lord's prayer that Jesus would pray again. He prayed it in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's faced with dying for the sins of the world, the wrath of God poured out for the sins of the world on him. And he says, God, let this cup pass from me yet, not my will, but yours be done. It is here in this prayer that we can find rest for our souls. When we can fully say, your will be done. I'm releasing control. I'm releasing authority Your will be done there and only there will we ever know true peace. And to pray this, that's not only to submit our will as in what happens, it's to submit our emotions to him as well so that we don't become bitter by whatever might befall us. Instead, we're grateful. Y'all, the whole first half of this prayer, it's God-centered. You know why? God-centeredness, is what will heal our souls from self-centeredness. Focusing our prayers on God helps focus our lives on God. And that helps me be free of me. Here's how we're gonna close this down. We're gonna pray together through the first half of this prayer. I told you, I I want to help you learn how to pray, right? And we told you, listen, if we're gonna make this goal of praying for 20 minutes, every day, if that's going to be the invitation that we extend, say, go get before God. I want to, to train you in this time together over these few weeks. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to break up into groups of two or three here in just a second. Don't go yet. Just a second. Now, listen, last week I made a caveat to you. I said, if you're new and this is too uncomfortable, then when I say, all right, get your prayer, buddy. I don't know if we're going to call it prayer, buddy, but you know, get together groups, two or three. When I do that, and I release really you to do that, if that's too uncomfortable for you, you just bow your head really quick, and everybody will know you are praying alone. All right, that's kind of agreed upon thing here. All right, that remains true today, will for the whole series, but also don't want you to hide behind that when you need to trust God and pray with some people. So I wanna challenge you today, if you prayed alone last week, to take a step and maybe pray with some other people today. All right, here's what we're gonna pray. I'll go ahead and show you what it is we're gonna to pray together, and then our team's are gonna walk us through it, All right. It's going to be four things, and we're just going to pray through this prayer. First, we're going to go to God for God, all right? God, help me come to you just for you. Set me free from the need to be approved by others. God, I want to come to you just for you because I have all the approval I need in Christ. Then we're going to pray our Father in heaven, all right? We're going to thank our heavenly Father for adopting us in Christ, in Christ. We're going to pray, hallowed be your name. We're going to ask that his name will be glorified in our lives and will be glorified among the nations. And then we're going to finish praying, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're going to to say, God, I'm going to surrender my kingdom to your kingdom, my will to your will. We're going to spend about six minutes praying together. All right, I'm going to give you 30 seconds to identify who it is you're going to pray with. And then we'll come, our teams will come and and lead us through this time of prayer together, okay? All right.
2: Time in prayer, this first point. I'm gonna guide us each time, come on and and pace our prayers. And I wanna start, before we get into the Lord's Prayer, I want you to start to go to God for God. What I mean here is for a moment, you pray together and ask God to give you more of himself during this time, that these six minutes wouldn't just be something we're leading you into and you're just, you know, following along. Would you pray together in faith that God would give you more of himself? He'd give you the greatest possible answer to prayer, more of him. Let's pray that together. Yes, Lord, give us more of yourself. Give us more of yourself during this time. I want you to transition into the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, if you are a believer in Christ, would you just transition into praising him, remembering that he's adopted you, that he welcomes you, that he's the compassionate Father who sees you and meets you where you are in Christ. But I also want to speak to you in here who have not put your faith in Christ. Would you, right in this moment, take this section, time of prayer, to turn to him, to turn and receive Jesus, all that he's done for you. He's washed away your sins. He makes you righteous when you believe in him. He welcomes you. who You were once an enemy. He welcomes you now as a son, a daughter. Would you spend this time in prayer of calling out to God as Father for the first time through faith in Christ Jesus? Let's pray to God as Father. Yeah sure. Yes, he is our Father, he hears us, he hears your prayer. Jesus taught us to pray, hallowed be your name, hallowed be your name. We spent some time asking that God's name would be hallowed among the nations and (laughs) we have a big world. There's a lot of people to pray that God would be hallowed among the nations. It might sound distant, So even as I was coming up on here, I felt the Lord leading me. I want to ask you to pray specifically for Muslim peoples, Muslim peoples who some have born, they go their whole lives from birth to death without even hearing the name of Jesus. Would you pray that the Lord would move among those who are Muslim, who practice Islam? Would you? Pray that the Lord would send up laborers in the harvest to testify to them. And would they see the beauty of Christ? Pray that God's name, that the name of Jesus would be hallowed. Yes, Lord, your name be hallowed. Your name go forth. May those who have only heard of Jesus as prophet, may they know Christ as Savior, as Lord, as the Son who loved them and gave himself for them. Would you break through? Would you strengthen even our missionary partners, David and Ruth, God, who are working among these peoples? Would you strengthen them? God, give them all they need by your Holy Spirit to minister. And Lord, not just among the nations, but among our neighbors. May your name be hallowed. Both. We want the ends of the earth, and we want the city of Charlotte. We want all the earth to be covered with the glory of the Lord. We want you, Lord. Amen. Let's end by just opening our hands. And I want to ask you to do this even as you pray. Not just symbolically, but literally opening your hands. And I want you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I want you to pray this for you. Where is the Lord calling you to submit your will, to surrender your kingdom to His? Where is He calling you to let go, to stop fighting for your way, to stop? inching ahead and stubbornly resisting where the Lord is graciously calling you. Would you open your hands to him? Open your hands and pray, your kingdom come, your will be done.